Welcome to the ENA Podcast. This is the ENA Podcast, and this is Dan Campana, the Director of Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you to our latest episode of the podcast. And um, today we're going to talk about um, something that has uh, really taken a, a big focal point for ENA um, over the last year in a different way than maybe it has before, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusivity, a uh, topic that's always uh, on the top of minds, but ENA has really taken some steps within the last year to um, really redefine its emphasis and the work it wants to do uh, in things relating to you know, diversity, equity, inclusivity. So today we're talking to Dr. Anna Valdez. Uh, her career has included a history of advocating for social, ju social justice and, and equality. And that's a bit of an undersell, but I'm gonna welcome Anna to the podcast. So Anna, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So the, you know, like I said, I, I undersold your background in this a little bit. So why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about um, both your connection to emergency nursing, but really, um, you know, what's your background and, and a little bit of, of why and how DEI related issues became so important to you? Sure. So I've been an emergency nurse for about 25 years and uh, stretch aside, I was emergency nursing in a variety of settings for 20 years and I currently teach. Um, so I've had a little bit of a shift, but still remain very engaged with ENA. And for me, um, the focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion has really been evolving out of both personal and professional um, desires and needs and experiences. From a professional standpoint, I started as a very young emergency nurse. I was 22 years old when I graduated and I went right to emergency nursing, which was uncommon at the time. And in my nursing education, as well as in my training as a new ER nurse, I was taught a lot of stereotypes that are harmful. I was taught bias and didn't realize that I was learning bias or that I was then taking that bias and applying it in my practice. And, and that it could be as simple as the books that I read that um, included stereotypical information about different races or sexual orientations that um, I took in as being fact because that was what was in this scholarly textbook that had been peer reviewed and it was what teachers who have been doing nursing for a long time were teaching me. Although I started to question some of it because I am in a multiracial family. The majority of my family is black and I have some Latinx family members as well. And so I started to look at those stereotypes and say, you know, this is not really an accurate representation and started to explore, well, how does that then affect the care that's being provided? And that kind of leads me to the personal side of diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and really specifically equity and um, fair and quality care that's being delivered. One of the stereotypes that I learned was that Black women tend to be more histrionic and that they complain more about pain. They're more vocal in that way. And I look at my mother, who's an unambiguously Black woman, and 
that is absolutely not the case with her. In fact, you know, it's it's often the opposite that she's stoic and and holds on to her pain. And I thought about how many times she may have been undermedicated or poorly treated based on those kind of stereotypical views that are taught. And then I look at other things like I was taught as an emergency nurse lots of phrases, frequent flyer non-compliant drug seeker. And I incorporated those into my practice early in my career. And I'm really embarrassed that that was a part of my practice saying things like that or making judgments about people. But as I've grown and I have worked as an emergency nurse and seen inequities, I, um, I recognize that those are things that impact health outcomes. And if I, coming from a multiracial family, had incorporated or had incorporated those beliefs or, or biases into my practice, I have to assume that most emergency nurses are incorporating those ideals into their practice. What stands out when you, you talk about, you know, that scenario, um, you know, even knowing where you, you know, what your background was and, and to know that you handled things maybe not in the best way because it was just the way it was presented, um, when you counter when, when you you encounter that, but you also think about how emergency nurses are the they, they see a lot of you know they see a lot of the things that are right and wrong with healthcare, and there's there's whether it's complacency or whether it's just not understanding that there are other sides to it. Um, emergency nurses really do have a front row seat to what's wrong with the healthcare system, the inequities that happen in terms of care, but also. Um, the some of the, the cultural and, and societal issues that bring people to the ED in the first place. I mean, that's a lot to digest as a young nurse, but certainly, you know, throughout your career. Um, so it's meaningful for you to have been able to step back and, and take a different perspective. I, I imagine that's hard to, to find. You don't see as many nurses who make that transition, you know, as their career goes on, or, or, or is that just a bit of an overstatement, do you think? You know, I think a lot of nurses make those transitions as they learn and they grow and they experience, um, you know, the work of being an emergency nurse. And I definitely don't want to be critical of my colleagues because it's really hard work. This is really truly a front seat to social racial injustices, pain and suffering. And it and it's very hard. It's very difficult to be the recipient of those ongoing systemic problems that lead people back to the emergency department that we cannot fix the issues that they have, right? So I think that um, I, I was really encouraged. I, at the last face-to-face -face live convention the year before last, there were so many topics about stigmatizing language and bias. And so I think emergency nursing is growing as is the rest of society in terms of our recognition of those social determinants of health and the impact that things like racism and discrimination have on the, the social issues that are leading our patients to have to come to us as a safety net and to you know be who might be called a frequent flyer because they have to keep returning because their healthcare needs are not being met. So I, I actually think that there's a, um, a lot of desire on the part of emergency nurses to better understand how they can um, respond and improve equity within the construct of what they're able to do in that setting. Which leads me to the question, the summer of 2020 really put an emphasis across society, not just limited to healthcare, but across society about things such as uh, systemic racism and you know, social inequalities. 
how much does what happens in that larger sense does that you know impact or begin to to stoke some conversations within the ED setting or in in your world in the in the the education realm uh, how does how how does that what's happening in the world be t get tied back in the best ways possible to um, you know the conversations about the things that you mentioned earlier about you know inequities in care and even just the language that is used. Well, you know, I think that social media, while it has some challenges, has been really instrumental in aiding in really important discussions as well as education amongst nurses. There is such quick access to information and, and we are also able to bear witness to things that that, you know, a, a nurse may not have experienced in their personal life. Right. So seeing George Floyd be murdered on video for eight excruciating minutes and calling for his mother, I think that anybody with humanity is going to look at this and say, this is horrific. This can't happen anymore. And having social media, as hard as it is to watch a video like that, or what happened to Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor, um, you know, Mr. Blake, those are all things that are now really visible to us and you can't turn a blind eye to it or you don't miss it because it's not a part of your lived experience. So I think that that's helped to facilitate some really important discussions. I've seen a lot of activity around really wanting to address racial and social injustices amongst nurses um, in social media, but also being pulled into education settings. You know, I'm an editor for a journal and in our um, nurse authors and editors forums were talking about how we address these issues in publishing. Organizations like ENA are really taking a firm stand that we're not just going to talk about why this is important, but we're going to move forward with action. That's a great segue. You've been a, an ENA member since 1998. You know, what, uh, you know, what does it mean to you to see ENA to um, you know, to put a finer point on its focus, whether it's the, you know, and, and one of the things I overlooked mentioning, you are the chair of ENA's DEI committee in, in 2021. Uh, it is the first year that that is a formal committee, volunteer committee with ENA following the work group that existed the year prior. Um, so what does it mean to you to see the focus, um, ENA change its focus with a volunteer committee of members with the board subcommittee and also there's an ENA staff group that works on all of these things and there's collaboration and conversation among those groups. Um, you know, it, it, it's probably easy to say that's a positive step, but really what does it mean to you as someone who's been a member and, and has the experiences that you have as well? Thank you. I, you know, I'm very proud. I've been an ENA member for a long time. I'm a lifetime member and I've always been proud to be a member of ENA, but I'm especially proud in having these discussions that the organization really is focused on action. One of the things that happens often is, you know, organizations form these DEI committees and nothing really happens, right? People talk, they discuss, oh, this is important, but there's no follow-up action to really make a change. And I truly believe through all of my conversations and the amount of energy that ENA is putting into this, that the organization is committed to action and to real change. And that's part of why I decided to accept the appointment as the chair, because 
I don't want to be a part of a DEI committee that's just going to shuffle papers and talk about things and nothing ever comes out of it. And then a year from now, it's disbanded because we've lost interest because it's, you know, it's not the big deal that we saw in 2020. I want this to be meaningful. And um, those people who know me well know that I am a very outspoken activist and I don't really hold back on the way that I feel or, or what I have to say about um, racism and discrimination in nursing. So I also felt very honored that I was asked to be in this position because the people who asked me to be here know that I am a fervent um, activist and feel very strongly on these issues. So they know when I come and sit in the chair what I am hoping to have achieved. And the mere fact that they want me in that role meant a lot to me because it, it speaks to me about their intentions around real action. So I, I wanna come back to the committee in a second, but you talk about your your voice and your activity and, and the level of work that you do. Um, I understand that uh, a group that you've done work with, you know, there was some recognition that you received last year for your efforts. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I have the great pleasure of having met a lot of really extraordinary people, nurses through social media. I was actually surprised at just how robust of relationships I've been able to develop and accountability partners. And I had the good fortune to get to know a group of nurses from across the country who um, in the middle of last year or beginning of last year when COVID hit, first started to look at how do we how do we share and disseminate knowledge when all the conferences and conventions are being shut down? How do we help people who are like tenure track academics who were going to present and they needed to be able to present who now can't do that? And, and originally we started with forming a Twitter conference and now the group Nursing Mutual Aid continues as a group of accountability partners um, of nurses with very diverse backgrounds, different roles who um, we look at social and racial injustice issues, and um, sometimes we provide commentary or articles or um, the Twitter conference that we had. And I, I'm really, I'm really grateful to be a member of that group because I think when you're dealing with issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and injustice, that you need accountability partners, right? My lived experience and my positionality allows me to see life through one lens. And by having a lot of friends who are diverse, who have a different lived experience, I'm able to check in and say, is this right? What do you see here? What's missing? And, and I get to bring that with me to the the chair role, but we were honored by the GLMA um, for as a Global Hero Award, which is um, incredibly, is an incredible honor. Um, and I think all of us would say that it's probably a bigger honor than we deserve. But it was it was a very lovely recognition because it recognized us for our work around social, environmental, racial, and queer justice, which. Um, to me, if I was ever going to be recognized for something, that would be the thing that was most meaningful. And that's far from an endpoint. That's a motivator for the next thing and the next thing, I assume. It is, absolutely. And you know, I have a personal motivation. I want my mom, my aunt, my children to be able to go to the emergency department, to go to the hospital. And I don't feel like I have to go with them to make sure that they're safe. 
right? And that's not to say that emergency nurses are out there harming people, but I don't have to go there to advocate for them. I want them to be in a place where that's not necessary and we're not quite there yet. So I, I have a daily personal motivator to um, help to change you know, the face of nursing as a whole and emergency nursing, um, both in the, the diversity of nurses that are working beside me and that are caring for our communities, but also in the type of care that we're providing to our communities. So coming back to the committee, um, you know, obviously there's a, a lot there's a lot to, to, in, to take in when you talk about um, you know, diversity, equity, and, and inclusivity in general. When you, when you look, think about how you want to lead this committee this year and, and the group that's been formed here and how you want to interact with the board and, and with the staff group, you know, what, what is your vision? What, where do you see things you know, um, you know, by the end of this year? I mean, without, you don't have to necessarily give us specific goals or anything like that, but you know, what, where do you think, what, what does progress look like you know, by the end of this year under your, your leadership and, and the committee's work? You know, I, I, I'm a nurse, so I always kind of fall back to the nursing process, right? And so, you know, I think part of our work this year is really assessing the state of emergency nursing and the experiences of our members. And so we hope to at least have a, a study fully developed, if not already, you know, recruiting and implemented this year so that we have information to build upon um, and understand the experiences of our members and our emergency practitioners that are out there. Um, we also want to do education and we have already started that. I think the best place that we could have started and we did was in our leadership orientation so that all of our, our new leaders or established leaders at the national state and chapter level have some preliminary information on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I hope to see the committee be very involved um, with both the board and ENA staff in developing more education and getting that out in a timely manner. Um, and I also hope that national ENA looks at our committee as accountability partners like I have with my dear friends in nursing mutual aid. So when ENA is looking to publish things or disseminate information or share things, my hope is that we'll be a resource as well so that we have a diverse set of eyes that are looking at those materials and identifying if there's any potential for harm or offense or, um, you know, if it really speaks to the values and beliefs of ENA. It sounds like it's this year has a lot of, for lack of a better way of putting it, building some infrastructure, you know, to, you know, understand how to navigate these things that, you know, have been out there, but are now really being addressed. And, you know, the change has to come from somewhere. So this is, you know, a community all on its own that can, has the ability to do that. But in any community, there are still going to be some people that, you know, are concerned or worried or maybe even cynical that, oh, this is like the last time, or this is like somebody else, as you pointed out, who are, are maybe more in it for, you know, on a, on a paper basis, we'll talk, but there's really nothing that comes from it. Aside from your word, because you being a person of action, what would you, you know, what would you want to say, you know, to someone who maybe has a, a, a slightly cynical view of what really can come from this? You know, what I would say is I respect that. 
they they have good reason to feel that way. You know, I have certainly felt that way. And I will tell you, you know, when I looked at joining the DEI committee, it was like, okay, is this a real actionable committee that I'm going to invest my time in or is it not going to be? And so, you know, I respect that mistrust from real lived experiences, right? That's not just, you know, thinking that it's not going to happen. It's seeing it not happen for a long time. And so, you know, what I would say is um, we honor those feelings and respect your your feelings. And I'm going to try to do better than what you have seen in the past, because this is really important to me. It's really important to everybody that's on our committee. And um, and then I also think, you know, there's also there's you know, there's people who are eager right now who want this information, who want the toolkit that hopefully will begin to develop this year and the resources. And then there are people who are like, we'll see what really happens, right? And I think those are really valid feelings. And then there are also members who don't think this is a real issue and, and don't think that this is something that ENA will, should be investing our time in. And so I think you have to take all those converging views and try and put together a toolkit and resources and information that's going to meet the needs of all of our members. And for those folks who think that this, you know, is not really an important priority, my hope is that we can raise their level of understanding. And we have to have you know, we have to realize that our members um, are on a very wide range of where they are in like their anti-racism journey. They may not even be started on it. They may be well into it or in terms of their understanding about bias and stigma and those kind of things. So I think we have a responsibility to teach people who, you know, maybe don't even know what, it, what I mean when I say structural racism, right? What does that mean? Or when I, you know, when I say something like, you, there is no, I'm not a racist. You are either a racist or an anti-racist um, who are like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, I'm not a member of the Ku Klux Klan, so I, I'm not a racist. So there's, there are different levels of understanding. And part of my goal is that the, the committee collectively puts together toolkits that will help people at all levels of their journey. And, you know, sort of a wrap up question. There's also folks that are genuinely interested in understanding and, and growing in these areas. But there's always, you know, there, there's always the possibility that there's a little tentativeness, the, the, uh, the, the fear of asking the wrong question or saying something. Um, what is there a takeaway that you can offer at least, you know, at this starting point from the, the committee's journey, but, you know, when you're talking about it from the ED nurse community, is there a, um, you know, is there a bad question? You know, is there an inappropriate way to say something when you're genuinely trying to uh, to engage in real conversation to build understanding? Yeah, I think that that's really key. I think a lot of people genuinely care about equity and diversity and dealing with issues of discrimination, racism, but because we all have our own positionality, you know, you may not feel comfortable with what is the right language to use, what, what's an okay question to ask. And generally, I think, um, in my experience, if you come from a genuine and kind place, and, and and say things like, you know, I'm not sure if this is the right way to say it. I, I want to be respectful, but this is my question or this may, you know, seem like a question that doesn't, you know, that's not important, but I, I, I really don't understand and I want to do a better job. I think that um, I think that we just have to lean into that discomfort. And that's something that I frequently 
frequently say of leaning into discomfort. And I, I take that from my own discomfort because there are issues related to DEI that are uncomfortable for me because of my own lived experience. And I'm afraid I might say the wrong thing or I don't fully understand. And so what I say is lean into that and be willing to be called in. Um, that's part of having accountability partners. It's uncomfortable when somebody, and calling in is different than calling out, right? So calling out is like shaming somebody. Right. Calling in is letting somebody know in a genuine way and in a, a kind way generally that what you said was offensive or what you did was really not appropriate or it caused harm to me. And, and giving that person a chance to continue to be a part of that community or a part of that discussion. So part of that being called in means that you have to one, lean into the discomfort because it's happened to me and I, your, your automatic thing is to feel dispensive, like, oh, I messed that up. I'm just not gonna say anything else because I don't wanna be embarrassed or, or whatever. So lean into that discomfort, reflect on what's been said and then do some research. One of the really thing, important things is to not ask other people to teach you. Right. So you don't want to you don't want to ask people who are being oppressed or stigmatized to teach you about their stigma or their oppression. Um, if you have the opportunity to listen and hear, please do listen with an open heart and really hear it. But do your own work, too. So lean into that and say, OK, I'm not sure what the right language is or I don't know enough about this. So learn, right? And what I would say to emergency nurses is remember that first time that you gave a paralytic or that you were helping with an intubation or that you had a critical child and you'd never cared for that kind of um, patient before and you were scared because the stakes were high. You leaned into it in that moment. You said, this is what I need to do. This is important for the person who's in front of me. And I think the same applies with um, issues around justice and equity. And I think anybody who's listening to this can hear in your voice the educator, but also the passion behind uh, what what you want to see from this committee, what you want to see from emergency nurses, what you want to see from ENA, um, and how that can bleed out into society in, in a lot of ways through the work that happens in the ED. And also nurses are such a big part of their communities and how they can, uh, on a personal level, also have an impact. Um, what's the final word from you? You know, as we, you know, it's the early part of 2021, it's the early stages for this committee, um, but ENA has got a great history and, you know, you certainly have seen the ways that ENA can really mobilize things and help make change happen uh, in patient care specifically, but certainly within the community of emergency nurses. Um, what's your, what's your final word for, for 2021 and, and where things are headed, uh, you know, in your perspectives? Sure, I guess I would say come on this journey with us. Nurses are for many years have been recognized as the most trusted professional professions in the world. So let's really earn that trust with all of the communities we serve and step back and look at how we can do better and also lead the rest of the world because we are trusted. We have the opportunity to not only lead healthcare, but to, as my friend Dr. McLemore says, to nurse the nation and really start to change the social issues that we maybe can't control in our own emergency department, but we can have a voice and influence on a broader level. Dr. Anna Valdez, the chair of ENA's 2020 DEI committee, I appreciate your time and thank you for being a part of the ENA podcast today. Thank you for inviting me, Dan. 
So that'll do it for this episode of the ENA podcast. And I encourage uh, everyone who listens to keep an eye on ENA social media and the ENA website as uh, more information about ENA's DEI efforts uh, will be debuting soon on the website uh, where you can um, see some of the, the resources and some of the other information, including episodes like this podcast uh, to get us a, a sense of um, the things that Anna mentioned about where ENA, uh, what ENA's vision can be for the emergency nursing community and how it relates to uh, issues of healthcare, but also how it relates back to, uh, you know, the larger societal issues that uh, are the underlying, you know, uh, underlying issues that tie back to what uh, is often seen within the ED. So I encourage everyone to, to keep an eye out on uh, our social media and, and the website for more about uh, ENA's DEI efforts uh, in the coming months and throughout the year and, and beyond that. So with that, uh, I thank everyone for, for tuning in for this episode. Uh, hope you are stay well, stay healthy, and we'll see you or we'll hear you next time on the ENA podcast.